1: Why is it, if one is searching for the appropriate word or phrase, you cannot go wrong by dipping into Shakespeare? So, what does the bard have for us today, and what do we have for you? I quote, To play false is to play with quicksand. Step not, lest you stumble. Who takes that step into quicksand, and why, is the heart of today's mystery.
2: Oh, Sheriff Blake, come in, come in. Jesse, you're you're all upset over whatever is the matter. They've gone, disappeared. I knew it would happen. I had this feeling in my bones. Jesse, please, now calm down. Who's gone? The kids, Mary and Arthur. Sam and I are very afraid something terrible has happened to them. It's that blackmailer. Do you think he could have killed them? <laughs>
1: Mystery drama, Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde, adapted from a true police case and dramatized especially for the Mystery Theater by G. Frederick Lewis, and stars William Prince. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One. It... the most beautiful of the Midwestern states. The town is Hackettstown. It is spring. Everybody should be out enjoying the warmth after a hard winter. But where is everyone? In the courthouse. And those who can't get in stand outside waiting. For inside, someone is on trial for their life. At this moment, Sheriff Ed Blake is speaking from the witness box. Your Honor, the attorney for the defense keeps interrupting me. How can I give any evidence?
3: I am sorry, Sheriff Blake. I only wish you to make your responses clear. I
1: repeat, there is absolutely no question that the bullet was fired from the gun, Exhibit A.
3: On what authority do you say that?
1: I have an affidavit here from the police crime lab.
3: Were there fingerprints on the gun?
1: Matter of fact, not very clear ones.
3: Therefore, you cannot say, Sheriff Blake... Who it was who actually fired the gun.
1: I certainly can.
3: But you just said that... Uh, The
1: set of blurred fingerprints is only one small link in the evidence we have secured against the accused.
3: I suggest to you, Sheriff, that one weak link can destroy an entire chain of evidence. Look, ma'am, I can
1: understand you dancing around the facts of this case. You're the attorney for the accused. But you know, in your heart... The accused is guilty as hell.
3: May I ask the court to direct the witness to be more responsive and less vituperative? All right,
1: all right. You don't have to say anything, Judge. I'll watch my language. Keep forgetting the counsel for the defense is also a lady.
3: Sheriff Blake, is it or is it not a fact that you are a personal friend of Mr. and Mrs. Samuel Teller?
1: Yes, I am. And that's what makes it so doggone hard for me to give evidence... Because I know how they feel. I know how I'd feel.
3: Can you tell us with as little emotion as possible when this case first came to your attention?
1: You mean way back when?
3: If need be.
1: Well, glad to, ma'am. It was, uh... Well, let me see. Yes, it, it was five years ago, just, just about this time of year, at the wedding reception. I'm uh, glad you came to the wedding reception, Ed. Mary wouldn't have been happy if her favorite sheriff hadn't been on hand. <laughs> <laughs> Your Mary made the most beautiful bride I ever saw. <laughs> Tell you that, Sam. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you're very proud of our Mary. Uh, you should be proud of Arthur, too. Fine son-in-law. Way well, he seems to be taking over the business. Well, we are. We, we are, Ed. But uh, you know how parents are. There isn't anybody Mary could marry. We think good enough for her. But she thinks Arthur's got the gumption. She loves him. Yeah, I think he has, too. Wasn't that long ago Arthur Courtney showed up here in Hackettstown one day and got a job in your steakhouse as a busboy? Yep. Yeah, now he's uh, managing the whole dang place. It took him just two years, didn't it? Yeah, not a day longer. Main thing is our Mary loves him. Uh, Mary? Arthur? Hey, come on over here.
3: Oh, Daddy, I'm so happy. It was the most beautiful wedding ever.
1: Hello, Sheriff Blake. Congratulations, Arthur. You married the prettiest girl in Hackiston. Oh,
3: Ed Blakey, old sweetie.
1: You would have thought, little Mary Teller.
3: No, I'm Mary Courtney now. (laughs)
1: Yes, sir. Arthur, you got yourself one prize wife there. Hey, you don't have to tell me, I... You know, here, I barely finished high school, and I'm marrying a college graduate with all kinds of degrees. (laughs) I expect Mary will be putting all her diplomas in a drawer and start raising a family.
3: Oh, I don't know. I wasn't planning on giving up my job at the social service agency just because I'm a married lady. Oh, I wouldn't want her to do that. Sheriff Blake, that marriage took place five years ago. Is that what you're telling the court? Yes, sir. I
1: mean, yes, ma'am. Five years ago. These two, Mary and Arthur, having all kinds of dreams like young folks do and all kinds of hopes. Never would have thought I'd be standing here in this courtroom giving evidence in a murder trial. Never.
3: Sheriff Blake, I think we can skip the next five years and the history of Arthur and Mary Courtney. The whole town pretty much knows what kind of a marriage they had, the life they led. They're all aware of the tremendous contribution the Courtney's made to Hackettstown, that Mary ran the Child Guidance Center, that Arthur was made the president of the Junior Chamber of Commerce... Well, that's what makes this
1: all the harder to understand. What's happened in the last couple of weeks has been a nightmare, and and, and my heart goes out to the parents, Sam and Jesse. Why they should have been made to suffer so at the hands of this... this...
3: Sheriff Blake... I'm sure I don't have to tell you that the accused is innocent until proven
1: guilty. I won't argue the point. Anyway, to bring it up to date, when was it? A a month ago? Two? I went to Mary and Arthur's fifth wedding anniversary. I I guess the whole town was there. And then, about three weeks later, I get this call from Sam Teller. He says, Mary's mother, Jessie, is practically hysterical and would I drop everything and come over as soon as I could. (laughs)
2: Thank heaven it's you, Ed. Please come in.
1: Come in. Oh, hi, Ed. Uh, come in, the living room, and sit down.
2: They're gone, disappeared. I knew this would happen. I knew it. I had this feeling in my bones. Jessie, will you calm down and, and
1: and tell me what the trouble is? It's uh, it's the kids, Mary and Arthur. We're uh, we're afraid. Well, I mean, they've just gone and disappeared, and nobody's heard a word from them.
2: Something awful's happened to them. I know it. By that man, the blackmailer.
1: Sam, now, Jesse, if if I'm going to be able to do anything, I have to know what you're talking about from the beginning. Oh,
2: we can't.
1: And, uh, Jesse, we have to. We have to tell Ed everything. It's the only way. I, I gather you haven't heard from Mary or Arthur since... When was it? Uh, that uh, fifth anniversary celebration. Well, they left on a tour of the state the next day, and, and Arthur was going to visit every one of our 22 steakhouse franchises... If there were any problems, you know, he'd iron them out. Of course, Mary wouldn't let him make the trip alone. You know how devoted they are to each other. Besides, because it was their anniversary, the trip would be kind of a combination pleasure and business.
2: And it's not like Mary. She always writes or telephones when she's away. Uh,
1: you, you haven't heard a word? No, it's almost three weeks and not a word. More than that, they haven't even showed up the franchise houses. Now, I call practically every one of our restaurants. Nobody has seen Arthur or Mary. And Jess and I are afraid that, that...
2: Sam, you've got to tell Ed. Tell him now.
1: The fact is, Arthur Courtney is an ex-convict. What? Yeah, you're, you're entitled to be surprised.
2: It isn't only that.
1: Jesse, please. Now, let me tell him. Everything happened so gradually that Jesse and I, we... Well, we just forgot about Arthur's record. You, you've you known it all along?
2: Oh, yes. Ever since the day Mary... Jesse! Uh,
1: before Arthur came here to Hackettstown, he was in California prison for check hiding. Of course, we didn't know that. Mary, as part of her social work in college, used to correspond with prisoners in various jails. Arthur started to
2: answer. And Mary got interested in Arthur's case. She actually worked with the parole board guaranteeing him employment and so on.
1: Well, of course, we didn't know that.
2: Uh, The day Mary graduated from college was the day they released Arthur. So she came to Sam and me and said if we'd give him a job, he'd never have any trouble anymore.
1: Uh, That was the first time we knew about Arthur.
2: Uh... It was such a worthwhile thing, helping a man get back on his feet. So... Sam started Arthur off as a busboy in our meat and drink here in Hackettstown. And I never, never regretted it. You
1: know, Ed, Arthur became a living example of what can be done to rehabilitate someone who's made a mistake and paid for it.
2: And then, as time went by, Mary fell in love with him. And they've had a wonderful life together.
1: Now, what's this you said about blackmail? Yeah, well, it, it started about three years ago, Ed. It's someone who used to know Arthur. So Arthur started paying him off. He, he was doing that for a year before Mary let the cat out of the bag and told us. Uh, I told him not to do it. they never stop. Oh, no. Arthur was sure this payment was the last. And the next payment was the last. Then the next. Now,
2: and... we have no idea how much money went that way. I do know it was practically all of Mary's money as well. Well,
1: how did he make the payments, uh, Blackmailer?
2: Well, Arthur would get these letters. Mary never saw them. He'd destroy them right away, and he'd go out of town to deliver the money.
1: He uh, kept telling me he had to pay. He couldn't bring that disgrace on Jesse and me and Mary and all the people in town who had trusted him. Oh, Sam, I thought you and I were good friends from way back. You should have told me years ago.
2: I told Sam that, didn't I? Didn't I say, tell Ed? He's a sheriff, he'll know what to do.
1: Well, Arthur swore us to secrecy. Now, how could I break my word, Jesse? It would have been the end of everything.
2: What are you talking about, the end of everything? Could it be any worse than this? They could be dead, Mary Arthur. I, I can't think
1: anymore. more. So what makes you feel, because they seem to have disappeared, that anything violent could have happened. He, uh, he bought a gun. Who? He he showed it to me. Arthur took it with them when they left. He said he was going to meet with his blackmailer for the last time. Well, why the gun, I asked. I don't know, he said, but Mary's going to be with me and got to protect ourselves.
2: Sam didn't tell me about the gun until last night. That's why I made him call you, Ed. Do you think... I mean, is there any hope? Of course there is, Jesse.
1: I'll be going out and... uh, Mind you, if there's anything else about Arthur, Mary, Mm -hmm. anything, I want you to call me right away. Uh, I'll see you at the door, Ed. So long, Jesse. Now, you keep your faith up, all right?
2: I'll try, Ed. I will. And thanks for everything.
1: Uh, thanks for coming over on the double. Oh, Sam, I wish like anything you'd call me sooner. Is there... I mean, like Jesse said, hope. But well, to be honest with you, Sam, right now, hope is about all we've got. Take a young couple, marry them. The man has a criminal past, but in spite of it, he makes good, turns apparently straight. Then the past catches up with him in the form of blackmail, or perhaps worse. Those who are regular Mystery Theater listeners know that Act One is only the beginning of suspenseful surprises. Be patient, and we'll see what develops when I return shortly with Act Two. Hoover was talking once about the art of gathering evidence and assessing clues. It isn't what they remember about the crime, he said. It's what witnesses forget. Which is why, precisely, Sheriff Ed Blake's telephone was ringing the following morning. A good cop, be he FBI, detective, or policeman on the beat, asks questions not only for immediate answers, but to jog your memory. Mm, Hello? Is this Ed Blake? It is, Jesse. What's on your mind?
2: Oh, how did you know it was me?
1: Well, I didn't, but I was hoping. Did you uh, remember something else?
2: Well, something Mary said to me once about the blackmailer, that when it started, Arthur would go out of town with cash to pay the man off.
1: It was cash, huh? Yes. Yes. Did she say it was a man? Are you sure about that?
2: Oh, no. I I just assumed it was.
1: Go on, Jessie.
2: Then I guess the blackmailer got sort of careless.
1: Oh, how so? Because
2: he's taken checks. Anyway, Arthur would tear up the canceled checks when he'd get them back at the end of the month. But one time, Mary found a scrap of a check in the wastebasket. She said it was number 999. I, I couldn't forget that. 999. And it was made out to William
1: C. William C. Is that all?
2: That's all. The rest of the name on the check she never found. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, thanks for calling, Jesse. I'll follow it up right away.
3: Do I understand you correctly, Sheriff Blake, that based on a scrap of a check made out to one William C., It led you to suspect the accused?
1: Not quite. I had more tracking to do. But it was a start.
3: Is it not possible that a check made out to a William C. could have been any of a half a dozen people with similar names with whom Arthur had business dealings?
1: No, not possible.
3: What proof do you have, Sheriff?
1: I had access to the bank's microfile copies of Arthur Courtney's checks. And I found that over a period of 30 months, checks of various... High denominations were made out to one William Crosby.
3: Then how did you proceed, Sheriff?
1: Well, my next step was to go on our radio station and make an appeal. This is Sheriff Ed Blake. Uh, On the 10th of May, two prominent citizens from Hackettstown, a couple we all know, Mary and Arthur Courtney, left here, taking Route 181, heading north. It is now three weeks and two days since Mr. and Mrs. Courtney left Hackettstown and neither of them have been heard from or seen since. As your sheriff, I ask any of you who has seen or heard anything out of the ordinary to please come forward and call me at this radio station. idea, that radio broadcast. They've been playing it since Wednesday. I, do you go back to the radio station every day? Oh, no. They've been referring the calls to the police headquarters. Uh, well, uh, any news? Well, that's why I called, Sam. Hey, don't don't tell me you found them. They heard the broadcast. Now, but... Take it easy, Sam. I, I just had a long phone talk with the chief constable in Hills Landing. Where, where, where is that? Well, it's up near George Lake. But what I want to say is, the police up there have found some things, and I uh, wondered if you'd drive up with me. Uh, Why, well, sure. When? Uh, well, as soon as you can. Well, what do you mean, found some things? Uh, I'd rather not go into it on the phone. Uh, uh, but I'll, I'll need you for identification. Time. Well, why don't you leave the restaurant right now and, and walk straight down Pine, and I'll pick you up at the corner of Pine and Twelfth in, in five minutes. How far have we come yet? Uh, a little over 25 miles. We're almost there, Sam. Uh-huh. It's this side of Hill's Landing. But I'm going crazy sitting here, not knowing what I mean is that... Uh... What do you know that you haven't told me? Is it... I just can't bring myself to say it. Sam, you hold on to yourself. I uh, will say this. Speaking from experience, more times than not, the first clues that turn up are generally false. But I I felt I had to check out everything. Well, uh, when you hung up, Jesse, come into the office, I... I didn't know what excuse I gave. I, I had to run out. Something. I I, don't, I I didn't tell her. I just didn't dare. She doesn't sleep anymore. She keeps saying she must have been crazy to let Mary marry a man with a prison record. She just keeps saying it's all her fault. Uh, I wish I knew something comforting to say, but I think, Sam, whatever we find or don't find, it's, it's better to know. Yeah, that's what says. That's what Jesse Jesse one One can adjust to that. But not to know is—it's it's like walking a high wire yeah. in a windy day. It is crazy, but I'm praying that where we're going, it'll—it'll it'll all be a false alarm. We'll know very soon now. Now we follow this dirt road. Second telegraph pole. One. Mm. Let's go, Sam there's uh, a man standing by that rock. He's got a badge, one of the town's constables. Let me go first, and I'll check out what he's found. All right? Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I don't, I don't know if I could bear to see Mary's body. I, 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 I just couldn't. No, there isn't a body, Sam. That's not what they found. Hello, officer. I'm Sheriff Blake. Uh huh. Take this. Thanks. And uh, the hat also. Ed? Ed, what is it? Uh, Sam, I want you to look at this hat. uh, man's hat. Just look at it carefully. Recognize it? Yes. It's Arthur's, I'm sure of it. But I I don't remember it being torn like that. It's not a tear, Sam. It's a bullet hole. (sighs) Now, I'd like you to look at this. No, uh, no, no. You recognize this, this piece of material? Yeah, yes. Uh, those bloodstains. I, I don't know yet. It's a, it's a piece of a dress, isn't it? Uh, yes. Uh, whose whose dress is it? It's my daughter's. It's Mary's. Sam, you got to be one hundred percent certain. All right, let, let me look again. It is. Oh God! What am I gonna tell Jesse? Sam. Oh, there's there's no question. It's Mary's, all right. Some fiend must have just ripped it off. This piece of it, I mean. I I guess somewhere there's the body around here somewhere. Tell me, how how do you know it's from Mary's dress? Well, you, you see down here by the hem, that morning before Mary and Arthur drove off, we were all having breakfast together, and Mary got up and she tore it right here by the hem didn't have time to sew it up and I said here take this Mary and she pinned up the hem with it step into the world of power loyalty and luck I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you wanna get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chobacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
2: VTW Group, no purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
1: Do you see what it is, Ed? It's my collar pin. I took it out of the shirt I was wearing, and I gave it to her. I would venture
3: to say, Sheriff Blake that we are still a considerable distance from associating the evidence you describe with the accused.
1: There is more.
3: Please continue.
1: I assumed Mary and Arthur had met their death at the hands of the blackmailer, although at that time we had found no traces of either of them.
3: None whatsoever?
1: It was apparent a struggle had taken place in that spot. I, I should mention it's about 50 miles north of Pakistan. It was evident that Mr. and Mrs. Courtney had been carried off elsewhere to be disposed of. Unfortunately, there had been numerous tire tracks and footprints, The uh, local police and others. People had been picnicking there, and we found some empty wine bottles, but uh, I'm told they didn't yield any fingerprints.
3: If you don't mind, Sheriff, will you kindly confine yourself to how it specifically applies to the accused? But I'm getting there.
1: The investigation proceeded in three directions. A careful search of Arthur Courtney's office in the main restaurant building. Two, I made a call to the California prison where Courtney had served time. And three, I took the evidence, the hat, a piece of the dress to the police crime laboratory up at the state capitol for detailed analysis. In 24 hours, I had the results. And that afternoon, I stopped in at another of the meat and drink chain near the state capitol.
3: Sheriff Blake, the court is not interested in a minute-by-minute account of how you spent your time. I fail to see where you stopped to eat. There's any bearing on what we are trying to establish.
1: Ma'am, I didn't go into that restaurant for a meal. I went for Information. I don't know. I've never been in this meat and drink before. Uh, I've been in some of your others. Uh, are you, you cashier? Uh,
2: yes, sir. If you want a table, you'll have to stand over there where the hostess can see you.
1: I'd kind of rather stand right here and talk to you.
2: Oh, excuse me, sir. I'll have to ring up this lady's check. Here's your change, miss.
1: Yeah. I suppose everybody tells you you got beautiful red hair. Oh,
2: my boyfriend does. And. He doesn't like anybody else saying that.
1: <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't. You can't blame him for that. D- does he work here?
2: Uh-huh. He's a new night manager.
1: No kidding. How'd you swing that?
2: Oh, I didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, the head manager of the whole chain, Mr. Courtney, recommended him.
1: Oh, so, so your boyfriend wasn't working here when you met him.
2: Uh, sir, if you'll pardon my saying so, I think you're being just a little bit nosy. Oh, no, I
1: didn't mean to be rude. Did you say your boyfriend's name was Bill?
2: My goodness, I didn't tell you his name. How did you know? Oh, excuse me. I have another customer's check to ring up.
1: I'll be back a little later. Uh, what time does Bill get here?
2: Oh, at 6 o'clock. Uh, hold on a second, will you?
1: O- okay, I'll be back at 6, Isabel. Isabel?
3: I mean, really. Now we're getting a flirtatious conversation with the cashier in a meat and drink restaurant in the state capital. If it please
1: the court, I shall complete my testimony in just a few more minutes. At six o'clock, I returned to the restaurant. A man I did not recognize was standing in front of the cashier talking to her, and I walked up.
2: Oh, here he is, Bill. Uh, this is the uh, gentleman who knew our names. He said he wanted to talk to you.
1: Oh, well, what can I do for you, sir? What is Sheriff Blake up to? Who is the man called Bill? And the red headed cashier, who is she? And the hat with the bullet holes? And the piece of torn dress? Have you, with the few clues available, been able to match wits with the sheriff? Have you guessed? Has a crime been committed? And if so, by whom? Let's see how right you are as the facts unfold when I return with them shortly in Act 3. When this mystery hour was only minutes old, we ran to Shakespeare and pulled an apropos quote from him, warning the traveler that untruths are like quicksand. Step not... Lest you stumble, was the advice. The final line to which is One misstep and all is lost. In a restaurant, a man turns and faces the sheriff. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Are you William Crosby? Yeah, sure. And you, sir? Uh, Ed Blake. I'm sheriff in Pakistan. Oh, where's that?
2: Oh, Bill, you know where Hackettstown is.
1: It's about 50 miles south of here. Uh, no. No, I've never been there. No? Mm. Well, I thought, uh, Mr. Courtney recommended you for this job as night manager. Uh, that's where he lives. And he he got you this job, right? Uh, what are you talking about?
2: I I didn't know he was a sheriff, Bill. I told him about that letter, remember? You told me that he...
1: Will you shut up? Uh, Mr.... So what did you say your name was? Uh, Blake, Sheriff Blake. Mm, yeah. Uh, the lady is right. I'd, uh, I'd forgotten. Uh-huh. I, uh, show you this picture, Mr. Crosby. Uh, you, you know this gentleman? No, I can't say I do. Who is it? This is Arthur Courtney. You, you, you'd never met him? Oh, never. Yeah, he recommended you for night manager here. Uh, hey, experience. Uh, I had the experience. Uh, why don't you ask him why he hired me? Arthur Courtney's been missing for almost a month. Oh, what's all this got to do with me? I know Arthur Courtney and you look a great deal like him. You, you even sound like him a little bit. Well, is that a fact? Well, I don't know of any twin brother. Or... His, his hair's a, a, a different color. And so are his eyes. They're gray about the same build as you. I'd say it's too shorter. Uh, Sheriff, you know, I'd like to stand here and talk with you, but folks are going to start coming in for a meal, and I, I've got lots to do. That's all right, Isaiah. You go on ahead. Call me Arthur. My name is William. Okay. <laughs> uh, Isabel, will you check out the menus and make sure they got tonight's burger and fries special? Uh, right? uh, goodbye, Mr. Blake.
2: Um, why did you call him Arthur?
1: Oh, slip of the tongue. How long have you known him?
2: Two years he used to live out of town he He was a salesman and he'd come in here regularly. i I might as well tell you we're going to be married.
1: You, you kept in touch with him when he traveled?
2: I must say you do ask a lot of questions yes i I'd write him where care of general delivery where do I have to say
1: Would you have something to hide?
2: I don't know. I'd write him care of General Delivery, Hackettstown.
1: Uh Uh-huh, a place your fiancé said he'd never been to.
2: I know. Uh, All I can think of is Bill must be protecting someone. He's that kind of a person. Mm -hmm.
1: I'm going to give you these photographs. One is Mary Courtney, Arthur Courtney's legal wife. The other is Courtney himself. When you're home tonight, I want you to show them to Bill. See if you can get him to remember if he knows them or has ever seen them. And I'll stop by here and have a little chat with Bill again sometime tomorrow night.
3: Do I understand you correctly, Sheriff, that you waited 24 hours before taking any action?
1: I didn't wait. I immediately alerted the local police. I staked out where Isabel, the cashier, and Crosby were living. And later that same night, we knocked on the door and found the both of them packing their suitcases. They only got as far as the jail. Crosby, I've come to ask you a few questions. What did you do with Isabel? She doesn't know anything. She's not part of any of this. But you have got to let her go. A part of any of what? Well, what do you mean, Bill? I'm Arthur Courtney. Don't you recognize me, Ed? Ed? I recognize you right away. The heel lifts, the dyed hair. I don't know Ed. I, 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 I got to get me a lawyer. You do that. You're entitled. And while you're at it, you get one for Isabel, too. I am telling you, the girl doesn't know anything. She's completely innocent. I'll level with you. Isabel's the only girl who ever meant anything to me. I just, I'd do anything to keep her out of this. The The only only girl? What about your wife, Mary? (laughs) <laughs> Mary <laughs> Mary Teller oh, The secret of people's lives Ooh, That's But what? what do you What do you suppose we never raised a family yet huh? In five years, why? I'll tell you why I can still see her now Five years ago Coming back from our honeymoon
3: Artie, you listen to me You listen hard and you listen good
1: What is it, sweetheart?
3: I am not staying married to a head waiter all my life. Understand? What are
1: you talking about? Your dad's made me manager of the meat and drink here in Hackettstown, and he says in a couple of years or so, he'll have me in charge of the whole region. Well,
3: that's not good enough. You're my husband now, and I expect a lot of you. I want this restaurant chain of dads to be the best run, the most talked about in the whole country, and make the biggest profit. And then I want us to buy up other food chains and take over the fast food business everywhere.
1: Hey, 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 come on, honey. Everything a good time. Is that the way to talk the day we get back from a honeymoon, huh? Whew. Talk about throwing a guy a curve. Oh, wow, I sure had you pegged wrong.
3: Look, if I hadn't sized you up as right for me, I never would have married you. When you came along, I knew you had just the kind of guts and push I needed. Mary... I don't know you. Maybe not. But I know you. No one in this town, in this business, is going to know you have a prison record. Yet. So let that be a warning, Artie.
1: It just goes to show, Ed. You never know who you're dealing with. I don't think Mary knew the kind of person she was dealing with either, either. Mm -hmm. Or she might be alive today. Uh, What about Isabel, Sheriff? Before I answer that, I need more answers from you. First of all, where's Mary? Ah. Okay. I'll take you to her. There, uh... This this is the place. I've been here. We searched it. How, How did you get on to me? Well, I found a couple of letters from your red-headed Isabel way in the back of your office desk. Also a file of old telephone bills with long-distance calls you made to her. You left a trail as visible as an airstrip. There was no blackmailer, and there never was. I got all the lowdown I needed from the warden in California. So, here we are. Uh. Now, tell me what happened. Well... We were sitting on this flat rock, Mary and I. We were having a picnic lunch, and she kept yammering at me. Oh, She hadn't let up in five whole years. I don't know whether she suspected something or not. See, we had these two bottles of wine and sandwiches in a basket. She drank most of the wine, and I ate most of the sandwiches. Oh, I
3: thought I was smart, Artie, but I was a fool. Why, honey? Oh, I thought I had the upper hand. Somehow, this blackmailer's got the best of us. Well, yeah,
1: it's only money. <laughs> we've well, come a long way, you know, just the way you wanted it. I'm president of the Junior Chamber of Commerce. We're getting out more and more franchises. You know, everything's looking great.
3: Yeah, it's not your $200,000 that's gone to pay him off. It's mine. Practically my whole trust fund. Oh, where is he? What, what time is he meeting us?
1: Uh, about half an hour. We've got time.
3: Well, listen, I... You you listen to me. Hmm? Now, when I give him this envelope with the $25,000, you say, just a minute, I want to count it. And I say to to this blackmailer, it's all there, go on. You count it. So he starts to count it. And you pull the gun, and you kill him. And I'll handle the rest of it, the the, the story of the police and and so on. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. You've had a good time these last years, haven't you, Mary? Hmm? Handling me?
3: Where would you be if I hadn't? Out of jail, maybe, but probably back in again. It was me who made someone out of a busboy.
1: So you did.
3: No, the only thing I did wrong was listening to you and keep on paying that man off all these years. But it was my decision. Too much at stake. Oh, what time is it? Where is he?
1: He's here now, Mary.
3: Where? I will see him. Why are you pointing that gun at me?
1: I'm your blackmailer. You? That's right, honey. Did you really think I'd lie down so that you could step all over me all these years? Huh? You're, you're crazy. Ooh, like a fox. You see, I'll be in the clear. I've got another name and I'll start a new life with your money, Mary. The gun was loaded to kill the blackmailer. It can now take care of you. Oh,
3: you dumb fool. They'll find you. Oh, no, no, no.
1: Oh, no, they are going to think I'm dead. I'll show you how we do it. Pop my hat up against this tree. Take a couple of shots. Hey, bullseye. Now, you see, they'll think the blackmailer killed me, then took away the body. Now, where are you going, Mary, huh? Stand still. Come back here. She ran. I chased her. Here, over here. I chased her. The bottom of her dress got caught and and she fell and she scratched her leg. But she got up and kept running. We got over there to that spot, right on the edge of that ravine. She wasn't looking. She stepped back and she... It was getting dark now. I couldn't see very well to the bottom of the ravine. It's a hundred feet down. I I, I wanted to make sure she was dead, but in climbing down, I, I lost my gun. I dropped it and I couldn't find it. I went down a little ways and I could see her way at the bottom stretched out on the rocks. (sighs) With the end of her. You left her there? Why not? It's an accident. Come along with me, Arthur. I'm going to get you back behind bars and bring a search party out here to find what's left of your wife.
3: You won't have to do that, (gasps) Shirley.
1: Mary, is that you?
3: Hello, Artie. Did you think I was still at the bottom of the ravine? where Where'd you come from? A little motel up the road where nobody knows you and nobody asks any questions. Oh, yes, Artie. I've been watching this spot every day. I knew you'd come back just to make sure I was dead.
1: Mary, put that gun down.
3: I get this cheap, chiseling, check kiter out of jail, find him a job, marry him, and how does he repay me? by trying to bleed me and then kill me.
1: Mary, don't do anything crazy. Now let me have that gun.
3: Ah, uh-uh, Sheriff. Don't reach for yours. The gun in my hand is for use on blackmailers. That's why Artie bought it. Didn't you, Artie? Oh, Ed, I wouldn't like to use it on a sheriff.
1: Oh, Ma- Mary... Mary, you have got me all wrong. I wasn't going to hurt you. I was just going to scare you. It was a joke.
3: Oh, I'm so sorry I didn't get the joke. Climbing out of that ravine, I didn't think that was so funny either. Mary, don't. Goodbye,
1: blackmailer.
3: Mary. Sheriff Blake, would you wind up the evidence you had against Courtney?
1: Yes, ma'am. The bullets in Courtney's hat I never fell for that. When the crime lab reported the passage of the bullets were from the inside out and not the outside in, I suspected he wasn't dead. The name he used? William Crosby. When I checked with the warden of the California prison, he told me Crosby was the alias he'd been arrested under. That warden, by the way, Your Honor, he told me the name of the book It was Courtney's favorite reading in prison was Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde.
3: May it please the court. Sheriff Ed Blake is the final witness we shall call on behalf of the accused, Mary Courtney.
1: May I say just one more thing? Yes. Your Honor, in my opinion, this was no premeditated crime. As a law officer, I would like to recommend leniency and understanding. My belief is that this is a case of manslaughter while of unsound mind. It's hard to make a judgment in a case like this. Arthur Courtney, alias William Crosby, did he deserve to die? The irony of being killed by the gun he had bought to murder his wife. To die at the hands of his wife, the woman he thought was dead, whose death he had plotted. Had you been on the jury... What would have been your verdict? I'll be back shortly. In this strange case, which I call Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde, the jury took note of that book by Robert Louis Stevenson, which Courtney had read over and over while in prison. It was obvious he was planning to lead such a double life. But when it came to which was which, Arthur Courtney or his wife Mary could not agree who was Jekyll and who was Hyde. Oh, you want to know the verdict. Mary Courtney was found not guilty by reason of temporary insanity. Our cast included William Prince, E. V. Juster, Bryna Rayburn, and Earl Hammond. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. The butcher. <laughs> his real name was Valdez. What was his first name? Do you remember? Marcos. Colonel Marcos Valdez. I've often wondered what happened to him. Sometimes i fantasize about returning here to such a laugh. But that's bad. Look, Dr. Limon, I really must get back to that restaurant and speak to that woman. It wouldn't be advisable. Why not? It's what I was trying to tell you before. You remember I mentioned that the man you're after had a mystery. Yes. You, you mean that, that woman? Yes. No, I, I don't believe it. I have to see her. Yes. But that's not all. The man, his name is Marcos Valdez. He is none other than the man who had Carla executed.